Welcome to Round the Table with Christian Concern. And I'm delighted today to be joined by two special guests, um, outstanding clients of Christian Concern and Christian Legal Centre, um, Keith Waters and uh, Bernard Randall, uh, as well as uh, Andrea Williams, um, our two executive of the Christian Legal Centre. Good afternoon, folks. Lovely to see you. Thank you so much for joining us today and making the time to join us. Um, Keith, um, you've, you, you've been in the news this week. It's been your week this week um, and uh, you've been in the court. Tell us, but, you know, backtrack a minute. What, what, what happened to get to this position where you were in court this week? I think it would be great to know just a bit, Keith, about who you are and how, how yeah, you yeah. get to get into the position that, that, yeah. uh, that you're actually in. I said, I said just before we came on the live stream, here are my two of my favourite pastors in the whole wide world. <laughs> it's great to have them in one virtual room, in one moment in history. It's great. <laughs> well, well, first of all, hello, Bernard. I've hoped, I've hoped to be able to have a chance to say good, good morning or good afternoon, whatever it is, um, before now. But uh, hi, good to meet you. Well, and you. I suppose just, uh, you know, I had the temerity to suggest on Twitter in 2019 that Christians were not really suited to Pride, um, and particularly that taking children along to Pride events would be harmful. Now, I've been serving as an ordained minister in Ely in Cambridgeshire for, for some years. Uh, I've taken a job um we were we're a church plant the new church so um needing needing finance i've taken a job also as a school caretaker in the local school a school which was really not particularly interested in anything to do with faith which was uh, fine that was that was where they were from um but i did make sure that before i applied for the job um that they were pretty aware of who i am what they might be getting uh, the answer was they were very happy to have somebody who was a church minister, somebody who's busy in the community. They were happy to be flexible with everything that I needed to be flexible with, uh, pretty much as long as you know I could lock the school up at the end of the day and open it up the next morning. Um, so that's that's the, the background. It was all going pretty well. I've been there a couple of they years. They really liked you as well. I mean, that's the, that's the other that's the other thing that really came out in the evidence this week and across the papers that you were a really well-valued member of that school uh, community and you went above and beyond the usual caretaker duties i mean you sometimes did assemblies you were often there with the kids helping to bring bring them in especially the ones perhaps that didn't want to come in were a little bit more troubled that you have a lot of relationship at the school gate and a lot of trust at the school gate so you were thoroughly a member of this school community and well known as a minister within the local uh, community as well and they knew that you were a minister within the local community so all of this was there was no hiding any of this um it was absolutely clear where keith was coming from in terms of he was a minister he was there the beginning and the end of the day um he was well liked well respected uh, in that you know in, in that role and this was really played out i felt in the in the in the courtroom in the um, tribunal this week um you could really you could really get a great sense um of just what keith had brought to the school community but it was this one tweet wasn't it keith it was yes um and i, I put it out actually 
Um, I, I use Twitter um, and have done since 2012. Before that, I, I was actually blogging on my old Bible college website, but I decided that Twitter was a place to, to, to actually do this just to be salt and light and um, to provide links to uh, some slightly dodgy uh, organizations like Christian Concern and, um, huh. you know, and, and others to, to just give people the opportunity to be able to be um, getting the information out to, to other Christians about live issues in our society and how to, how to stand up. Uh, so giving a quick link to a uh, PAPS there's an image um, of your the the um the offending tweet. Ah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it is quite offensive, isn't it? Well, <laughs> not really. I mean, it, it doesn't even say uh, that non-Christians shouldn't go to Pride or anything like that. It, I mean, it, all it says is that Christians shouldn't support LGBTQ Pride, and that um, contrary to Christian faith and morals, well, Christian faith and morals promotes marriage, and sex is only within marriage, heterosexual marriage, and. So clearly, pride is contrary to Christian faith and morals. That's fair. Yeah, and there's a lot of sexually explicit stuff and sexualization and pride. And so you quite rightly point out, not good for children. Yeah, and it was the first pride, wasn't it, that was coming to the Cambridge area? It, it was the first pride that was coming to Cambridge area. But to be honest, it, the, my, my my reasoning wasn't that we'd had yeah. conversations since the, the previous uh, year. Uh, amongst a number of people in, in our church who said, well, surely we should be reaching out to everybody, so shouldn't we be going to get involved in these events, <coughs> going to talk to people, going to share? And my answer was, well, we, we really need to reach out to everybody, but not on their own territory in that way. It's it, you know, it's just too much. We, we should leave them to do their own thing, not agree with it. Um, it's not a good thing to be going to anyway because of what goes on. Therefore, let's find other ways of reaching them. This was really that the tweet was a reminder to, to those people and others who maybe they were thinking, well, how do we reach people who, who we find it difficult to reach? Right. Yeah. And what was the reaction then to your tweet? The reaction was, um, I mean, I've never had so much, so much um, reaction to, to anything, really. I mean, I'm usually quite boring when it comes to, to Twitter and uh, or anything else. You know, I'm not a great uh, social media fan. But the reaction was pretty strong, pretty fast. It was, first of all, from the local newspaper editor, um, who it turns out, I had no idea um, who, who the local newspaper editor was, but it turns out that he's quite keen on Pride. Um, he and a couple of local councillors, uh, two ladies who are married to each other, were also quite keen on Pride. So he, he asked them their opinion um, and it kind of spiraled really from there. Apparently, it did quite well on Facebook. Um, I was accused of all sorts of wonderful things I hadn't done, um, and, and being somebody I'm not. So, it it was very quick. Uh, I had a, 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 I think it was a journalist from the the Cambridge Evening News on the following morning, uh, turned up at our, our church and was desperately trying to get an interview and ask questions. So it, it then really spirals mainly not not the, the kind of local community desperately hor horrified of what I had said, but the the activists managing to to stir things up very nicely. And in your and then the reaction in your school where you worked? Uh, not really. The the only reaction I had in the school um, was from uh, the management who were 
were slightly bemused that I might even say such a thing, I think, um, and that it had caused uh, one or two people to contact them and say that they didn't like who I am or what I stand for. But most of that was not a reaction to what I had said. It was a reaction to what others had said about me. Um, I mean, some pretty nasty things, things were said about you, weren't, weren't there? Some pretty nasty things and misrepresentations yes. were said of you yeah. um, on social media and in the local press. And yeah. you, you know, even had an undertaker turn up at your house. This kind of thing was happening to you um, at that time. Yeah. Um, so there was some real general backlash across the social uh, across the social media and then that sort of, that same backlash was that then what targeted the leadership of your school uh, in terms of um asking them to do something about it but the, the, yes. the reality was that at the school gate where you, where you were bringing in the meeting the parents and bringing in the kids day in day out nothing changed did it in in terms no, of that, no one really good. again sometimes when we're in a sort of social media storm or even in what appears like a media storm, most people, it's not its not registering on most people's radar and it wasn't registering on right. most of the parents' radar, was it, Keith? It, it wasn't at all. Um, and it was very much business as usual for, for the next few days, um, as far as I was concerned, doing the things that I'd be doing. And I, I did get involved in, an awful lot in taking groups of children who were troublesome to you know, do certain activities, hurry lessons, that kind of stuff was still happening. Um, yeah, it was all good. So how did it get to a legal dispute then, Keith? Well, it, it, it turns out that, um, as we, we've heard from this week, at least, that the, the reason that action had to be taken against me was that the school have a, have a policy that they decided if they get a single complaint, they have to carry out a formal investigation and follow things through, which does seem slightly odd, but what they did was to investigate these three letters that they had had. And the, the, the three letters were questionable, um, to say the least. Certainly some of the things I had been accused of in, in a couple of them were, were really quite uh, unpleasant and very much untrue. But also that the one that was most credible um, actually described me as having talked about uh, the LGBT community um, and had been negative. I hadn't talked about the community at all. I talked about an event which was really important. Um, the, what, what happened then was we went through investigations, disciplinary uh, appeals and such like. Uh, now, it became very clear to me that the school, having first of all been very, very supportive and very keen to, to have me doing the things that I was doing around the school, um, which was, I have to be frank, uh, a lot less caretaking and a lot more of other stuff, uh, mainly pastoral. But they were very happy with that. Suddenly, they were very unhappy with me. They were distancing me. They were putting in all sorts of uh, things. Well. I said putting in, but it was more of a case of, of avoidance. But if they had to talk to me, if they had to deal with me, it was very, very strange, very difficult. The investigation was carried out in quite a strange way, um, quite uh, interrogative rather than investigative. Um, in my past life, uh, I've carried out numerous investigations and disciplinaries. Um, 
I would always want them to be carried out in a very neutral way rather than an interrogative way. Um, and, and this was this was very much different. It was, it was clear they had decided that the best thing to do was just to, to deal with me and solve the problem um, rather than investigate the issue. I mean, it is true to say that, uh, you know, until you took this job as, as the uh, the the minister in this church and and alongside the care the caretaking job in order in in, in essentially to um, fund uh, that role, you'd been in a very responsible position um, managing staff, managing HR issues, managing big budgets. Um, th this was this was so you were used to dealing with personnel and you were used to how. Um, investigative situations would uh, go go along. So that it was you must have found it very strange. Well, you I know that you did find it strange to be at the other end of it, but the way in which it was actually happening. Yeah, I, I was I was shocked really, uh, mainly because I would have expected schools to have very straightforward and very simple policies, which they would follow in a, in a very straightforward and simple way. Uh, yes, I, I for, for for twenty odd years managed uh, several teams of, of people. Uh, lots of uh, lots of projects, lots of budgets, uh, and I, I was used to doing things in a professional and, and uh, relatively gentle way when it comes to to dealing with thorny issues like this. I think the thing that most struck me was that I, I had no conversation with them. They didn't come and ask me about it. Uh, right. They didn't say, "Well, you know, what what happened? Tell us about it. What's what's going on? What was it you said?" Right. It was just uh, straight into an investigation, and uh, you know you, you've been a very bad boy. Mm. I'd like to bring Bernard in um, on on this now. So, Bernard, your your situation is kind of similar, but kind of different as well. But you were working in a school, and you ended up losing your position for something you said. Different context. Just remind us of your story, and then maybe come on to comment on Keith's story if you want to. Yeah, sort of brief outline is that as a school chaplain, I gave a sermon in the school chapel um, saying that pupils may, if they wish, um, believe the church's teaching on marriage. They may think marriage is of, of one man and one woman uh, for life. Um, and they may believe that biological sex is real and sometimes makes a difference. They may look at gender identity issues and say, actually, the way this is described is incoherent. And, and I emphasise, make up your own mind. Don't just accept an ideology um, from someone else. Think about it, make up your own mind, and you can say no to somebody else's viewpoint. But the most important thing is to respect the difference of opinion. You don't have to agree with someone to love your neighbour. What you a do shocking neighbour. <laughs> it, it's totally outrageous. And for this, I was, I was reported to the government's prevent anti-terrorism team. You know, that's that's how way beyond rationality um, the response I got was. Now, the the sort of key difference is this was all internal to the school. There wasn't the sort of external uh, and social media uh, fuss. Um, yeah. And actually, this was happening at pretty much the same time as Keith's situation. Right. But mine was private at the time uh, and has only become public uh, much later as we moved through the, the sort of legal process subsequently to be being somewhat mistreated, I would say, uh, and losing my job in the end. Definitely mistreated. I mean, this, this, that statement there, Bernard, way beyond rationality. Yeah. There's, um, it's, you know, both of you I know um, 
have spent your life kind of kind of dealing in a very kind pastoral relational way managing situations and the, the and the way in which you were both treated is way beyond rationality and this this again just also people taking within this structure where you employ taking the time to understand your position i think what was clear keith this week as well wasn't it that people that the, the those that were in the school that um, that were in charge of the um, investigation didn't really understand i mean i think it's something that we as christians have to recognize don't really understand what the christian viewpoint is on marriage or what it really means i know i didn't I think realize that um, an evangelical minister would think this about marriage or about um pride or that or even that there will be a Christian viewpoint around pride or what goes on at pride. Um, and I think it's not, I think we have to remember that for many people in the society in which we currently live, well, I know Bern has been doing some thinking about this, haven't you, Bernard? But that we are starting at a point whereby people have no idea about really what the Christian faith is. And there's a massive work to do or how it, or how it impacts on, mora on morality, on these, on, the, on these sorts of truths. I mean, I know, Bernard, have you got anything to say for that? Because I know that you've been thinking about it quite a lot, how we got to this well, point. Yes, and I think that um, actually I was able to listen into a lot of the case, and actually I'd recommend listening to the justice in process to anybody. You know, you should do this sometimes because it's such an important part of our society and you should know how it works. But mm. listening to a case, I thought Keith came across as thoughtful, measured, intelligent. He, he knew what he was talking about. And, and the witnesses for the school would, were just flustered because they hadn't really thought about any of these things. And in a sense, I would not expect people necessarily to understand Christian teachings if they've not been exposed to them. And, and that's a, a, a sad note on the church's ability to reach society. But that aside, it's fair enough that they don't know. But what they didn't even know was the basics of our secular society that underpin the freedoms that we should all enjoy so they couldn't as far as i could make out properly define homophobia they just accused keith or they accepted the accusations against keith of homophobia without really knowing what that meant and they weren't able to define freedom of speech or freedom of religion they had no clue about why they might be important and no clue about why those being important was more important than someone having controversial views so they're just these are the people teaching our children these key values you know fundamental british values that all schools are supposed to actively promote and they just didn't have a clue because they just assume oh someone says something negative about particularly lgbt issues must be homophobic must be a pariah must be unacceptable uh, and we have to get rid of that they they couldn't do the balancing exercise it's not even that they didn't which they should have done but it was very clear that they simply couldn't because they didn't know how to so um i noticed that roger ryan on youtube has has got a comment in here by the way if you're watching live do put your comments and questions in he says very pleased to support keith's question how have you coped during the past week keith i've, I've, I've coped pretty well really uh, you know i think with with a, a great team um, doing a great job, couldn't cope otherwise. I think also just just knowing that all, 
from and it's not a glib thing, but from a Christian point of view, if if you're where the Lord has put you, and and you genuinely wanting the Lord to be glorified, and you genuinely want to speak the truth in love, then we don't have too much to fear. It's it's certainly you know it's certainly a challenging time. It's you know that there's there's plenty plenty going on in life, uh, you know, the normality of life, just to, to do with this on top. But, uh, yeah, I, I certainly very much appreciated the uh, the prayers of many and support of many. What, what was it like being the witness box on a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a courtroom? I mean, I, I won't say that I, I enjoyed it, um, but I nearly enjoyed it um, <laughs> in, in as much as if somebody is asking a question, I'm, I'm happy to answer it. And if I'm not trying to twist anything or hide anything, then it's easy to answer it. And so just putting putting across the truth and, and trying to ensure that the person who's asking the question genuinely gets the answer. I'm, I'm yeah, I, I was quite happy with that. Well done, well done. And um, how did the school... Tim on that because just I mean it's not even just the last week isn't it so for both yeah. of you this is now what is it two years that this yeah two and a half years two and yeah. a half years yeah. two and a half years so it's not just the week in court but for two and a half years mm. both Keith and Bernard's lives are significantly changed mm. um, as a result of speaking truth in love both of them spoke truth in love because they cared, Keith was there caring about children, how Christians behaved vis-a-vis -a, -vis a, a pride event that was coming to the town near him. Mm. Bernard cared radically, loved radically his school community enough to do, his, I mean, actually just to do his job, which, which was to, to give a sermon to young people that um, was thoughtful, comprehensive, and asked them to ask questions while setting out the Christian viewpoint on uh, marriage, biblical orthodoxy. And for this, there has been massive repercussions now for two and a half years for them. A change, an overhaul in, in life, in, in, what the, in what they do. But in, I can say, um, I can say as well, you know, knowing um, Keith and Bernard, that that, you know, that seeing how um, it, seeing how calm they are, I mean, they may not feel calm, but actually calm to, to speak, you know, the joy, it's true that the joy of the Lord is our strength. When I come alongside men like Bernard and Keith, when we're there as the Christian Legal Centre team and here at Christian Concern, praying for these men who have spoken truth in love and find themselves in this situation, and then watch the fact that it's not for a moment, lives... You know, it really changes so much. But then to trust God with the everyday, knowing that he knows the end from the beginning and that this is a long process and part of a bigger picture. It's part of a, a whole mass of cases that are coming before the court and that we at Christian Concern have been involved with for two decades now. And we're even seeing how the courts are dealing differently with the arguments and how a lot of the cases that are quoted in the courts are cases that we know intimately mm -hmm. and very well because we've been so, there. So listen, in, in court this week then, 
how did the school try and justify that it's a proportionate response, you know, for you to end up losing your job for a, a tweet that is, you know, relatively innocuous? I mean, how did they try and justify that? It's a very strange situation. They seemed to suggest that the the justification that their defence was, well, they had to do this because somebody complained. And if one person had have complained, whether it was legitimate or not, they would have to carry out a formal investigation. That was their policy. That's what they had to do. And that's what they would do for anything, whatever it was. It was irrational. And, um, and Michael Phillips pulled it apart very nicely. But that, that was where they seemed to be coming from. Uh, they just felt that, uh, you know, I, I should be able to live out my Christian life so long as I said anything I wanted to say within the school policies that was fine right wow and um bernard watching from your angle how, how do you feel it went you know, and what any comments on arguments used in the in the court i i think it went really well from our point of view because i think um what the school's solicitor totally failed to address was the fundamentals of freedom of religion and freedom of expression which are you know uh, European Convention on Human Rights are very clear and he just they totally ignored those I think the answer the reason for that must be because they just had no case to present to justify the interference in in the freedoms that everybody should have that their witnesses agreed everybody should have um, and so they had no way around the fact that what was done was totally disproportionate they should have been able to say we've had a complaint and our investigation begins and ends with, yes, there's nothing to see here and no need to speak to Keith. Maybe say, well, we've had a complaint, but we've investigated. You didn't say anything problematic. It was totally reasonable um, and an end of that. That they needed to take complaints seriously is one thing that they needed to follow a full comprehensive investigation with meetings and, and interrogations and so on. Clearly disproportionate to what the actual tweet said you know it wasn't a school tweet it wasn't connected to the school in any way uh, it's none of the school's business effectively um, and only the fact that there were complaints you know so I think they admitted if there had not been any complaints there would have been no problem with the tweet <laughs> but if the tweet is wrong if the tweet is actually offensive it's offensive whether someone's complained or not um, so they just didn't have any um, mileage on that um, but one of the things that struck me in the, the closing arguments um, was it was suggested that that last bit about um, entirely unsuitable for children um, was not a protected religious belief because, well, pretty much everybody would accept that. That's a, a widely held view that seeing nudity <laughs> and S&M stuff right. is unsuitable for children and i think rightly everybody would yeah. agree with that yeah. and so because everybody agrees with it it's not a religious belief and therefore they can discriminate against it it's misconduct <laughs> to say something that everybody believes in if someone complains about it and the the total failure of logic you know you could have someone uh, a flat earther say i object to that person saying the world is a globe and because the flat earther has complained it's a disciplinary offense um, which is clearly nonsense, you know. Um, Did that come up in court? Actually, that, that, that that's my example. That's the flat example, earther yeah. could say it is my protected religious belief that the world is flat, and therefore 
Um, you could take disciplinary action against someone who says the world is a globe because that's commonly accepted and therefore not religious, but not yeah. against someone who teaches the earth is flat because that's a religious belief and most people yeah. don't agree with it. It's it, it utterly absurd notion that you can discipline someone for something which is a commonplace and yet that's what the school seemed to be doing without any yeah. sort of thought process behind why do we think this tweet is is offensive oh oh yeah no it's not actually we we fundamentally yeah. agree we wouldn't take our children to pride events um, they said well leave the parents to make up their own minds about that well fine how are the parents supposed to know if no one ever gives advice or guidance or makes suggestions about what to think about, which is just what Keith was doing. Um, perfectly legitimate and reasonable, I think. But I yeah. love know that you love being an ordained minister of the Church of England, but I I think that you make a really excellent barrister. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that you become somewhat of an expert on the European Convention on Human Rights and, and um, thinking these things through and arguing them and understanding the law very clearly. Um, so, Yeah, I, I may be a bit late in life for a career change of that magnitude. No, but, you know. <laughs> I, I think you're a really excellent minister, so I wouldn't really want you to change. But no, Listen, um, Nick, Nikki Kerr on YouTube says, is the church supporting these cases? I suppose the question for both of you, start with Keith, do you feel supported by the church, broadly speaking? Um, in the UK, in what's in your stance, and, and what's happened to you? I, I would say certainly my local church and, and a good number of evangelical churches, and, and you know, any church with, with a good Orthodox uh, Christianity behind them. But I was I was shocked by the the liberalism that I found amongst uh, colleagues in Ely. Um, Churches around you know, in Cambridge and Cambridgeshire, across the nation, in fact, across the world, were, were very supportive. Our own church was very supportive. But actually, the, the, there were so many people who were afraid to be seen to be on the wrong side of the woke fence. And that, that was really quite right. concerning. Right. And Bernard, what about you and, and support for you from the church? Um, yeah, in terms of support from, um, as it were, the real church that lots of clergy individually, lots of Christians from, from all over the place. I, I had a one letter of support um, that started off, um, dear Reverend Randall, I'm a little old lady in Nairobi. Uh, and I just thought, <laughs> wow. how delightful. Um, but so lots of individual Christians giving massive support, which has meant so, so much. Um, in terms of the institution of the Church of England, um, without going into too much detail, uh, thrown under the bus might be an appropriate expression. Yes, um, almost the opposite of support. <laughs> yeah, it seems. <laughs> I mean, this it is what's very sad and hard is, for me, I feel, again, as someone who's watching this very close to it, but also seeking to raise up a public voice and public support for it, um, is just, it's true what Keith and Bernard are saying, that there's a massive support, people that really care about this, and, or the real church or the true church, people that see it, the little old lady in Nairobi, who somehow got hold of this story and is following it. And and I, that, in what, on the one hand, excites me because I know that the Lord, you can see the, the Lord's hand in it all and how he uses the, the little things, the weak things of this world. 
But on the other hand, where in our country, where in the Western world is this penetrating voice that is speaking the truth to power, that's speaking sense to power? How is it that we can be in this situation? And the sad thing is that, uh, you know, Keith in one part of the country, Bernard in another part of the country can be knocked off one and um, in, in different places, one by one. But this actually represents something much bigger uh, than that. And it's something I believe that the church has to be alive to. We have to find our voice and see these things actually not just as our freedom of religion and freedom to manifest, but rather as the very gospel itself and how the gospel itself is under attack. If we're not free to manifest, mm -hmm. if we're not free to really say these things in public, in the, in, if a chaplain can't say it in a school chaplain, if a, a minister uh, cannot tweet orthodox Christian, uh, an orthodox Christian opinion on pride, um, without being silenced, then the gospel is being silenced. Mm -hmm. And really, you would hope that the church at large, that the real church at large, would the, its presence and its voice would be more keenly felt and heard. And I don't know, Keith and Bernard and Tim, what you think about that. But I long to see this kind of a revitalization, a regeneration, a, a, a movement that that awakes and arises um, for, for kingdom purposes. I. Is that coming? Are we going to see it? <laughs> well, well, the Lord's in control, isn't he? But I think the key, the key thing from, from my perspective is, you, and you touched on it, it's the gospel. And, and, and if, if the church stops preaching the gospel, and you know, that, that is, is clear, it's wider than the fact that we, we all need to be saved, that we have a saviour. Uh, it's, it's wider than that. It's, it's how do we how do we make sure that the church is well taught uh, on scripture? Because when we do that, then we can have a church that is obedient to scripture. The problem that we've had, certainly I think, and I've seen it in my time in ministry has, has got worse. You know, I, I remember when I first came to faith in, in an Anglican church um, and you know, a very, very good old vicar he was. But he would, he would very much be absolutely clear about what was right and what was wrong, um, biblical truth. And we find that that is so, so rarely the case uh, across the denominations, across uh, Christianity in this country. That there is such a fear of being on, on the wrong side of, of, of what the world wants to hear. I mean, we were told that the world would want to hear what its itching ears want to hear. Well we're not to tell them that we, we need to tell them what they need to hear not what they want to hear and, and i think until we get to that point and, and i pray the lord will bring us to that point there'll be more and more people just seeing the truth and, and needing to you know seeing that we need to get it out there but uh, i think until we do get to that point uh we're, we're uh, on a bit of a slippery slope and do you feel like um schools are actually a, a key battleground in this i mean you know, both of you obviously you know ministering in schools in different ways and we seem to have a lot of cases around schools and teachers and all of that kind of thing, and, and indeed parents uh, even. Um, do you think that this is really where the battle is fiercest at the moment in schools in our country? Uh, I, uh, yeah. I, I personally think I think there's a really big, big uh, battleground. In fact, probably the major battleground. And there are a couple of reasons. We, we, we touched on the fact that, you know, I, I was... I was 
even more shocked um, than, than I had been before that the people who were investigating me, disciplining me, didn't know even the slightest. I, mean, I didn't expect to know much about Christianity. They clearly weren't Christians. But you know, some of these people would, would, have, would have known the fundaments of, of what it meant to be a Christian, I'd have thought. But they hadn't a clue. They really hadn't a clue. And the schools are, are increasingly being filled with a lot of younger teachers, which you know, can be a good thing. We have to assume that people in schools know nothing about Christianity. And they talk about British values and how important it is to, to, you know, to, to hold those values. And they'll go out to look at the important things they need to know about other faiths and, and you know, things like trans, transgenderism and, and homosexuality. But they won't understand what Christianity is. And I think the church has a role to play. We, we need to be making sure that schools are, are really well uh, versed in, in what it means to be a Christian today. I'm sure we're, they're told what it means to be a, a Sikh or a Hindu or, or a Muslim. But I, I think there are so many, I mean, I come across schools uh, where the understanding of, you know, we've just been through Christmas, well, really, you know, a mixture of a pantomime and, and a nativity is the best you can get. And it's usually got a, a funny man with a red coat on um, and, and a, a white beard. You know, there's somewhere, something in there. And that's, that's Christmas for a school. Mm. I think we've, we've, there is a real problem. Mm. Bernard, do you want to comment on this as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd agree with everything Keith's just said, but I'd, I'd go um, a few steps beyond or behind those problems. Um, seems to me that we have got a generation of teachers who have come through university systems where um, relativism is is just taught as as all you need to know about that everything is relative, the sort of postmodern worldview. So yes. the notion that there is a truth is, is rejected and the notion that people would stand by the truth as they understand it, even if they might actually be wrong, but the people are allowed to stand up for their own truth is rejected because we have to accept and be tolerant of, of all different truths. So in a world where the notion of truth mattering is not taught to children, because the teachers don't know it, because they've not been taught it by the university courses they've gone to and, and so on. It's impossible for people to preach the gospel and say, here's some truth, and for people to have a clue how to deal with that. So it's, it's even more fundamental, I think, than just people don't know. They mm. don't know that there's something to know. And how do we get to this? There seems to be an obvious contradiction there, Van Bernard, that you've got relativism and yet it's intolerant. Yes. Um, so yes. as you're relativist, you accept all different views. You, how can you be intolerant with it? Where does that come from? Uh, well, uh, okay, so we're, we're going back into sort of um, 20th century Marxist theorists, because the, the point is that you can have repressive tolerance um, and you don't allow right wingers to speak of their views because right wing views oppress people. And as long as you know who's the oppressor and who's the oppressed, you let the oppressed speak, but not the oppressor, because the oppressor is automatically right wing and opposed to the Marxist revolution that they're trying to usher in. Um, and that's that's a very brief sort of dabble into some of these really deep um, issues that we face in society. There's, there's a lot more to be said about those issues. But 
that's kind of the problem. You can be tolerant as long as it's not tolerance of something that is oppressive or harmful. Yes, the, the notion... intolerance of tolerance. It's the intolerance yes. of tolerance because there is yes. only there's one acceptable way to, to to think, which says there is no truth except the truth that there is no truth. Uh, in essence, it, it's all but, it's all relative. Your truth, yes, Bernard. But the 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 only truth is that people are oppressive of other people. And we mustn't allow the oppressor to speak. We mustn't allow someone to give an opinion which in any way looks as if it might be oppressive, because even speaking a few words is harmful. Um, and part of the problem with postmodernism is it says the only thing is the language we have. There's no real world out there. Uh, this sort of the, the constructionism, the social constructionism idea that we construct the world with our words and therefore to deconstruct the world with oppressive harmful words actually literally harms people because there is nothing else and so uh, and we've therefore we've ended up constructing even the notion of of our body so it, i may look like yeah. a woman but if i say i am a man then I, it has the world has to believe that i am a man and to because the language you use trans, will make you transphobic yeah. um, the language you I use creates it yes if i say that i am born this way if I say that I'm born this way, to say that what I do um, is not pleasing to God uh, is mm. renders me hateful. Mm. Um, even when and and so that. But let me say, what does the Bible tell us in all of this? He's the, what does the what what is the truth of the Bible that we are made in God's image? Mm. Yes. So actually, we are made. We are created. We're created male and female, and we're told. In Colossians 1, which is the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. And God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ Jesus. That's an extraordinary, that's, you know, this is the truth that we believe in. And I would say, knowing yes. Keith and Bernard, that they that you can see that they um, that they live through this season in their lives calmly <coughs> because of the knowledge of that truth. So let me um, I want to sort of wrap up, really. But I want to close with this question, <laughs> which is what would you say to a teacher or a parent um, in a school at the moment who, who shares your beliefs and is, is worried about expressing them or worried about saying what they really think? And uh, what, what, what would you say to them? Start with, I'll start with you, Keith. Sorry, I, I, I missed the, missed what would, the question. What would you say to a teacher who's worried <laughs> about expressing their views, having heard about your case? I think I'd, I'd, I'd simply say, well, you, we all have right to, to speak truth. If, if you have a view, there's nothing wrong with expressing your view. And, and expect, expect to be heard um expect possibly to get some flag but you, you, you need we need to to speak the truth it, i think it's really as simple as that i'm, I'm assuming this this is this is a, a christian teacher is, is we all... yeah 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 i mean I, I i've spent the last probably 10 or 15 years telling people that you know we're not waiting for a time for for difficulties to come we're already here because the world is telling us this this and this we can't have a, a few and, and therefore we must be bold and we must stand up. We must do it with huge amounts of compassion 
and as much wisdom as the Lord will give us. We, we should never go into to, to, to anything which is, is, uh, is unkind, but we should never step back from speaking the truth. Bernard, what would you say? Um, similar, I mean, I, I would say to people, you, you have to do the good that's in front of you and that the Lord has put you in the place to do. And, and the good for a teacher might be not kick up a fuss, but just refuse to accept the lies and and subtly carry on teaching that there is truth. But the good might sometimes be actually speak out and say, no, this is how I understand the truth to be. This is something worth standing up for. Um, and, and everybody has to make that decision about you know, what is the balance of what's going on in my life, where God has put me, what I can do that's the good, that's right for me now, and what's my calling. And, and you know, hopefully people have a wise counsel to, to go to in case if they wonder about, should I speak up, go and speak to someone and, and sort of check your thinking about whether this is the right moment to speak up because um, you don't want to get sacked over nothing. Um, but hopefully Keith's case will get a result within a, a month or so because they've reserved judgment, um, which will make clear the importance of freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Um, hopefully my case will do likewise come September. And there will be some court cases for people to refer to, to say, look at the case of Keith Waters, look at the case of Bernard Randall. It's very clear you should be allowed to say these things. So I'm jolly we're going to say them. And, and once we've got those cases out, um, hopefully that will make it a lot easier. I mean, this is why Christian Concern yeah. and Christian Legal Centre yeah. do this work, to make it easier for other people. You know, for Keith and myself, it's not just about us speaking the truth. It's about enabling others to speak and live by the truth. Um, if yeah. it just affected us only, I'm sure neither of us would have made a fuss. But because it affects other people's lives and the ability of Christians to, to be mm. themselves, mm. you have to take action. Well, hopefully your case is going to court will stop other cases from going to court. It's kind of yes, part of the point, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. And uh, closing remarks, what do you say to teachers and parents? Well, what I can say is that their cases already do stop. Yes. matters escalating because because they are known because um because they can be referred to um if if very often um if if things are handled differently at the very beginning um we get cases many cases in fact where we help people to keep their jobs to simmer down the situation entirely and having these cases in the in the, in the in the public space um, means that people know about them. People know that there may be a long, like a two-year process ahead, even a potential legal process ahead. And things can often be simmered down. And that's what we try to do. We, we really want a Christian concern. Um, Christians living and speaking out their faith are wisely, boldly, compassionately, wherever they are. And that's what we exist to do, to see the light and the life and the love that is Jesus Christ poured into every work situation, every public situation that he might be made known. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. And we're longing for a time when these wonderful men, wonderful men such as uh, Bernard and Keith are not uh, pushed out as they have been. Um, so thank you um, to all those that uh, support us at Christian Concern and the Christian Legal Centre. Thank you to all those that have been supporting Bernard and Keith, um, thank you for your prayers. We really appreciate it. Fantastic. Well, and thank you for joining us, Keith and Bernard. Really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to seeing how your cases 
progress. Um, I'm praying that they'll have a, a fantastic result at the end. And thank you, um, Andrea, for joining us as well. Thank you, the rest of you as well, for watching and joining us. Um, it's been a great week and I look forward to joining you again uh, same time next week as well. Thank you very much.